you doing? Good morning. You're listening to the Arts House on Corks 96 FM and C103. It's Elmarie Maw at the microphone with you until 10. Connor Tallon's also here, ready to go in studio. But of course, where else would I be? <laughs> and it's great to have your company here on this beautiful, sun, sunny Sunday morning. The sun actually has just risen while we were kind of hanging around, uh, waiting to get going. The most beautiful sight of all the windows in the city that kind of reflect the sun as it rises in the east, gradually turning gold with their reflections. It's just so, so pretty. The view here from Studio One right down over the city centre of Cork is just something else. And I don't know what kind of a view you have if you're looking out the window or whether you're in the car driving home from working at night or whatever Um, but I do hope that you get a bit of sunshine this morning. It's so good to get that into your bones, isn't it? Now, between now and ten, what else you can get into your bones and into your ears and into your calendar are bits and pieces that are happening in the course of the week in the arts on the way up. And this week, um, you would think that with two festivals last week, Cork was exhausted. No! 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 Plenty more. Here we are! (laughs) Starting today... Absolutely. Um, well, we've got the Indie Cork Festival, which is kicking off today, running right until next Sunday. The Cork Folk Festival is actually continuing as well. So regarding the Indie Cork Festival, well, Mick Halligan had a launch during the week. I met him in the roundy. We sat down, we had a chat and had a look at the 10th Indie Cork Festival. I couldn't believe it. 10 years. And they said, oh, we didn't know we'd actually get this far. Well, not not only have they got as far as the as 10 years, they've got even global with the amount of interest that they've attracted because they've been recognised through the BAFTAs. Uh, I also had a chat with Michael Waldron as well about the new drawing room in the Crawford Art Gallery. I met Tom Spaulding about what's happening in the Decorative and Fine Arts Society. They do an amazing lecture every month, so they'll be telling us about that. A little bit of investigative art, journalism, mm-hmm. or whatever whatever you want to look at, t- call it. And I'll be just having a look at what's happening today in the Cork Folk Festival as well. For its final day. A um, little bit later on in the programme, we'll be talking to Mary McSweeney, who has been the main driving force behind Opera Platform. And there's a brilliant concert in the Onoth Kulturhead this week. We're also going to be talking to Neil Thompson, who's returning to Cork to conduct the Cork Concert Orchestra in City Hall next week. So I rang him yesterday uh, and he's in Brazil. So how's your Portuguese? We might dip into that <laughs> before the end of the programme as well. I'm going to start off with some music, though. This is Cormac O'Queeves. Building my arc. I fear there's a wind coming my way, making me pay. I'm building my arc. really love that track. In fact, I love practically every single track on that album Cormac brought out there a couple of years ago. Swim, Crawl, Walk, Run. Maybe it's just over a year and a half ago, there and thereabouts. Beautiful, beautiful album. Swim, Crawl, Walk, Run. If you haven't listened to it, then I highly recommend you check it out on Bandcamp and look for Cork's Cormac O'Queeve on that. But I do know he has a new single out, actually. Uh, So I must get him on the show next week to kind of tell us all about it. Now, between now and next week, there is a gorgeous 
gorgeous concert taking place in the Unuth Kultura in Baliavorna and it's a full night of the most beautiful talent of up-and-coming opera singers and it's all brought together under the umbrella of opera platform by Mary McSweeney, one of Cork's acclaimed opera singers, but who actually had practically all of her career really in Germany and singing with the opera in Cologne um, and only kind of returned to Cork when she was invited to come back to create this opera platform to nurture and guide young opera singers into their own careers and she is putting on this concert in the Unuth Kulturha in Balivorna um, with the most brilliant selection of singers a great menu of music um, but boy is just see one of the nicest people ever to talk to. Uh, so I picked up the phone. We chatted yesterday. Mary, I am looking here at the most gorgeous programme for a concert in the Unuth Kulturha. And when I think of you, of course, I think of opera immediately. And this is an opera platform concert. But the programme that you've put together for this has every single ingredient from the spice shelf of opera in it. But we also go everything from Cosi Van Tutti to Whiskey in the Jar. Now, that is a concert with variety. <laughs> it is indeed, Elmarie, yeah, it is. And we have a lovely ensemble of eight young, talented, incredibly beautiful singers whom I love. And so I have chosen the repertoire around their talents, if you like. So mm-hmm. we have two tenors and two basses. So the beginning of, of Cozy is ideal for them with the test set. And then the Suave Ciel Vento, this amazing trio is being done by Orla Hoare and Sinead Carroll and Georg Palku. But the reason we brought in the whiskey in the jar <laughs> is because it starts as I was going over the Cork and Kerry Mountains. And this is exactly where the Honoured Culture is, exactly very near the county bounds, you know. And also, I am visualising because I love all those wonderful people down in Coulé and Bellevourne and Kilnamartha and all those areas, that they're all going to sing with us. So we'll have the opera singers and the core band and the core uh, Coulé, the lads that come to the church, hopefully some of them there and that we'll all sing together. <laughs> so that's our idea. You have a nice selection of traditional. It's not just whiskey in the jar, of course. There are some other really beautiful songs there as well. But, you know, I know about Opera Platform and you have sent me information on different concerts and singers from time to time. But tell the listeners a little bit about what Opera Platform is, because it has really been the most gorgeous platform for young and rising talent. Exactly. So when I came back from Germany, I was given the job of creating an opera group, you know. So we decided to call it at the time Opera Platform. And um, we've had wonderful singers going through it all over the years. So what it is, is we've two hours rehearsals a week. So it's not, you know, an awful lot. But for the amount of time we put in, it's it, we've done beautiful concerts. So it's a platform to give these young singers who are in the cusp of, the possibility of doing professional singing as a career and it gives them a chance to hone their skills to prepare in a protected way to go out into the world of opera. This group is particularly gorgeous. They are there and they have such fun. I mean, such fun and laughter and it's all for the Palavurna concert there's a bit of tricking in it you know Cozy as you know is is a real fun opera with all the men 
Yeah, cosy fan tutte means all the women are fickle, basically, you know. <laughs> and um, the, the the boys at the beginning of it, uh, Don Alfonso makes a bet with the two lads, the, the tenor and the baritone, that their women will not stay faithful to them. So the one woman she stays, as we know, come and skull yoke, like a like a rock. She stays faithful until the last act. But the flirt is the mezzo and she breaks down fairly early to fall in love with her boyfriend's best friend. So <laughs> <laughs> and they all forgive each other at the end. So that's the wonderful thing that the, the whole Mozart in his finales, which I really I love to put a Mozart finale in the concerts, you know. He, in this one, he says, fortunate is the person who sees life from the best side. Use your reason, forgive. Laugh, 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 and then bella calma trovera, which is beautiful calm you will find in your being. Oh, that, that we <laughs> may all fun. find that for sure. And the, the thing about it is, of course, with opera singers, when they are training, uh, it's not just a stand and deliver. Like if you were going to make a career as an opera performer, you also have to be an actor or an actress. You have to be able to impart, sell and inhabit the story in every single line and communicate it sometimes to an audience who don't understand the language in which you're singing. Absolutely. And that would be a central part of our work now last um, Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. They're learning to balance then, you know, sometimes the acting and the inhabiting of the word might take over a little bit too strongly from the technique. You have to remain really balanced in your technique because singing opera, as you know, it's like I'm always singing uh, some of the arias here are like climbing Mount Everest for the vocal box, you know. Right. <laughs> True. Uh, so they have to be, the, the, the key really is fitness. You have to be incredibly fit, have a really lovely technique so that you don't run tired, for example, yeah. And then um, one of the lads, now he had done his, actually at that point, three hours of singing. And I saw him after the rehearsal chatting away out in the streets to somebody happy out, you know, so he was tired, you know. Match fit. Absolutely. So that's why, <laughs> Singing, really, and and well-being, singing and breathing, singing and your posture, singing and your posture to life, if you like, how you take care of yourself. It's a key for, otherwise you don't survive it, you know. You have done so much, like Mary, you did allude there to the fact that you were in Germany for years and you were in Germany working in opera for years. And, you know, Cork is so lucky to have you home as a mentor and a guide and a teacher for young opera singers coming through now as well. But um, for you, like what made opera speak to you first day? I mean, like you just trotted off some words in Italian there now, which was simply divine with such a fantastic language. Yes, thank and you. Thank you. Everything sounds it's so div- divine in Italian. But what drew you into opera? Well, that's a, a, such an incredibly interesting question, to be honest, because I've, it's like a little bit like a sonata form, you know, ADA in my life that I was born, my mum, Kulain, uh, dad was Kilmichael, you know, and there was absolutely no, no sense or feeling or education. They were both teachers like yourself, but they, they, they had no sense for opera. However, everybody played the, the Boscatiol and everybody sang all, all the family down around Kulain, so they're all singers in Kulain. So that singing gene, there were two cousins and it was said, that you could hear them singing while they were milking when you'd be coming into the farm, right? Oh, wow. so there was a lot of singing going on down there, right? And then I was at a trashing when I was eight, and a lady from Cork, which seemed to be another planet, 
heard me singing October Winds Lament around the castle of Dromore. Yes, you know that beautiful I do. song. Yeah. And yeah, and she went up to my dad and mum and said, You have to get a piano for this girl. So that was the beginning of it. Mammy wow. bought a piano, which she regretted later. <laughs> because the piano took us all off to to London, you know. So then I had a professor up in UCC, uh, Christopher Stembridge, and he had a huge influence in a whole generation of us at the time doing studying music. And I remember he was doing the St. John Passion and he had me singing the solo and he basically, cut a long, long story short, he arranged for me to, to go to the Guildhall. And so I met my teacher, uh, Walter Gruner, who amazingly had come from, he was a Jew who had come up from Frankfurt to London. And um, Walter and myself, it just took off really. And so off I went to the Guildhall and at the end of the Guildhall, um, study of four years, um, I went straight into the opera in Cologne. So I had, you know, I, I was kind of thrown into it. It just happened. That I is amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. And I remember standing in the sitting room in the old-fashioned teacher's residence, you know, the old-fashioned, old, beautiful, um, they had lovely fireplaces. And I remember singing into a mirror at around 12 or 13 and thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> what's that sound coming out? I couldn't believe the actual voice that came out. And there was a moment of knowing that's my path. Wow. Wow. Yeah. How, what, never, a, what a joyful I, startling to have to yourself. It was. Yeah. It was. It was a moment of thinking, oh, my God, I don't have to be this very shy person. Or, or you know, I had very little confidence. And I thought, oh, what's this voice going out? <laughs> you know? Amazing. But um, I do want to say about the careers and all this that we're talking, it, it's not easy to be an opera singer, you know, uh, because I, I like to try and pass on the wonderful, incredible God-given techniques that have been given to us through the, the ancient I- Italian masters and, and, and the German masters, in particular French as well, of course. But a huge amount of our students teach singing. So both in Munich, all around Bavaria, you'll find people who have worked with me. And it's happening now in Cork as well, that the singing teachers, whether it's Talon College or whether it's McCroom or whether it's down in Tralee or whether it's over in Waterford, they've come through our school, Cork School of Music, and there's this one girl, she has 44 students. But Mary, what I also want to bring you on to, though, is the fact that... Yes. You are now the artist in residence in the Onodhkultur in Balivorna, which is kind of like a family homecoming for you in a way. But what an amazing adventure to embark on. How did this residency come about and how special is it to you to be the artist in residence in your mum's home place, essentially? Yes, and my grandmum and my aunt and my uncle and all my cousins. My mother had 110 first cousins. <laughs> so they're all, in, some of them are in the choir. <laughs> Some of them are singing as well, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which is lovely. Yeah, it's an incredible honour that Leo Arrieta, whom I totally treasure, asked me this year to do that. Now, I have Padre Arrieta, who's Leo's brother, has been actually asking me to come over to help with the voice training of the Corban before I came back. But that's over 17 years ago. Wow. And so Pather and myself have been working away and he loved that work. And we, I adore it. And I think Pather Orida has just done an immeasurable amount of good things for our heritage and for the ancient 
tradition that is our pure identity, you know. That's what a beautiful way of describing it. And that's so, so true. Oh, my God. And it's for me, it's more important now. It's almost like, oh, my goodness, we have to do it now. We have to protect it. We have to develop it. We have to give them tools right, to strengthen their stamina for us and all that, you know. So we were up in um, Ars and Uthran. Pather wrote a most beautiful piece called Queen Archilera. And um, as you know, Archilera is buried where I came from, which is in Ovens and down in the, in, in the Kilcray. Kilcray Abbey. And you can see the text that my father used to teach it to us. And Pather has put it to music for that um, core band. And it's the words, the story, the dramatic quality of Eileen Dove and the way he has divided that under the voices. And it's really beautiful. So my little job is to help the girls with their breathing, help them with the placing of their voice. And I'm just a welding advocate really for them, you know. So there will be voice training. There will be voice care and health, which is, after COVID because an awful lot of people are finding that their breath is gone. Even so, just minding the voice and breathing, like everything that I do from here to concerts to teaching involves the voice and I know what it's like to, to lose your voice and the panic of it and the distress of it. So it's 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 part of who we are, how we communicate. It and that's is it. and it's, it, to be honest with you, the care of it is my passion, I must yeah. say to you, because if you care for your voice, you're caring for the self, mm. you know. Yeah, so true. So then we have the whole aspect of of storytelling through the songs. For example, there's a magnificent new song that I'm discovering called um, I Am the Salon. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful poem. And I'm hoping that we can put music to that song and we'll work on the Queen of this year and we'll work on other songs. Ashling Gyal, for example, is one of the songs we work on. There's several of the traditional singers are in that core band, you know. Mary, we could talk for the day and I'm so sorry that the clock is kind of ticking against us, but for the work you're going to be doing over the course of the year, I can see that we will be touching base and talking about that again. But in the meantime, the most yes. important thing is to remind people that this wonderful evening in the Onoth Kultura, it's called A Toast to Opera, an evening of love, <laughs> fun and intrigue. And it's this coming yes. Friday. Coming Friday at 8 o'clock. So we can't wait. Everybody is very excited. And again, a big shout out to Leoria that she is the most wonderful example of womanhood coming out of Kule and Balagorda. I, I love that girl. She's a wonderful person. And she's going to do a wonderful job in the Honor Cultura. And we love you, Mary, as well. So thank you so, so much for talking to us. That's Mary McSweeney, who is the Stewarthor Egingolkurum Untokshin by Gary Beecher, Erin Biano. And it's going to feature scenes from Cosi Van Tutti and Rigoletto and more sung by future stars of opera. Mary, a pleasure. Corks 96 FM and C103. The Arts House. Thanks, Katie. Now then, Connor's been taking a look at what's making the front pages of the Sunday papers today. Okay, I'll just fly through the papers. I'll start with the Sunday Business Post, or the Business Post, as it's called, I suppose. 
Revenue may call in sheriffs collect up 500 million euro of business debt. That's the end of the COVID-19 tax warehousing scheme has raised, has raised fears over viability of many firms. And that's the main story on the front page of the Business Post. Sunday Times leads with ex-Sinn Féin man involved in hotel killing to testify against the monk and passport delays in Ukraine embassy. On to the Irish Mail on Sunday and the exclusive there. It's a two-page document arguing high-tax main opposition party would wreck the economy with, quote, dishonest, hip- hypocritical and populist policies. That's under the headline or over the headline of Leo's battle plan targets, quote, reckless SF. That's the Irish Mail on Sunday main story there by John Lee. And onto the Sunday Independent, no budget bounce as housing crisis haunts coalition is the main story there. And if... Uh, features the Sunday Independent Ireland thinks state of the party's poll which you would, would have heard during the news there but Brendan O'Connor makes a very simple point on the front page of the Sunday Independent when he says so you want growth Liz? Well just join the EU and makes that <laughs> argument on the front page <laughs> ok um, Jody Corcoran follows up on the front page with uh, an analysis of Basically, under the headline, money can't buy them love. The government is not feeling voters love, despite the 11 billion euro to ease the chill of hard winter ahead, writes Jodie Corcoran. There's an interesting feature on Camille O'Sullivan on fame, on Bowie and on learning to trapeze. Uh, Camille, who was born or brought up in Passage West in County Cork, lives in Dublin now. Uh, does an exclusive interview there with a the paper there, and it's a lovely piece altogether. And yeah, I've been. I, she just went down a storm. She was in the mm. Edinburgh Fringe recently, and yeah. oh my goodness, all her photos from the tour were just fantastic. And she had the most amazing pair of shoes. They got uh, everyone's <laughs> attention online. <laughs> of course, she also did that song. You know, in these shoes, I don't think so. Okay, uh, yeah, great one. And there's another um, interview with Sasha King, who was the filmmaker who spent four years documenting. Vicky Phelan's uh, story and that's also that film although it's on nationwide uh, release on the 7th of October it actually is the opening film in the Indie Cork Festival tonight at half past seven in the Gate uh, Cinema we'll be finding out more about that later on from Mick Hannigan in the programme and finally I'd just like to recommend something from BBC Two at 20 past eight tonight if you're interested I loved the first series both of us did the second series of the actors that's Stanley Tucci, by the way, searching for Italy. The second series of the actor's culinary tour begins in Venice, where he learns how the city's incredible history uh, tells the story about its food, how visitors from around the world have impacted on its cuisine. So that's my recommendation for the small screen. But if you want the bigger screen, listen to our coverage of Indy Cork later on in the show. Super job. Okay, going to take some new music from Cork. Now, of course, last week we played a track, the title track indeed, from the Lost Gecko's new album, The Fox and the Lie. Uh, here is another track from the album, which was launched in St. Peter's on Friday night. And you can hear a chat with the Lost Gecko and Pierce on the show next week. But this one is called Sacred.
just a gorgeous track. That particular one is called Sacred. The album is called The Fox and the Lie. It's from Cork's band, The Lost Gecko. Really looking forward to hearing that chat with Malcolm Urquhart and Pierce on the show next Sunday. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103. This week's work of the week is a tribute to the artist Joe Allen. But it is also a tribute to the process of drawing and its art as practised by artists over the years. And it's part of a collection that launches a new exhibition that has just been installed in the Crawford Art Gallery. So the Crawford's curator, Michael Waldron, tells me a little bit more about this wonderful piece of work that forms part of an amazing collection. Mike, I suppose it was destined that we wouldn't actually meet this week. I think the traffic in Cork City conspired to keep us apart. So we have to go back to our traditional form of communication, and that's you on one end and me on the other end. And in between, online, is the Crawford Art Gallery. Actually, looking at this week's work of the week, and although I made the promise some weeks ago that we would meet in somewhere relevant, and we could have, we could have met in Teague because there's a connection with this week's artist there. But it is a very personal and very private piece of work altogether. And it's one of the very few nudes that we've actually covered But what interests me most is that it's part of a new exhibition. So that gives you a lot to chew on there, Mike, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, it does. And I suppose, yeah, we we haven't dealt with, I suppose, the nude in art very much in our chats. And yet it is kind of a mainstay of at least Western visual art. It's untitled. It's a charcoal drawing Mm -hmm. from 1991 by the late Joe Allen. It's not quite life-size, but it's pretty close. Oh, wow. And it is, as you say, it's it's very intimate. It's it feels like a private moment. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the artist is almost in conversation with their model. Yeah, the model is looking personally straight out at the artist. Yeah, yeah. So the the model is 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 lying down. Her legs are kind of bent up, mm. so she's kind of brought them in close to her. Her right hand is languidly draped across the front of the image. Really interesting stillness, but it is intimate and it is, you feel like there's there's some chat going on between them, which is quite magic actually. And all done in charcoal, just, you know, simple lines. Very simple altogether. One of the hardest things to do. Now, the artist is Jo Allen. She moved here to Cork from America, is that right? Yes, she did. So she moved to Cork from Maryland Mm. in 1980. And I suppose made made Ireland her home for quite a time. She was a model, an artist model herself to begin with, and then started studying at the Crawford College of Art, and then moved on to the National College of Art and Design in Dublin, and also in the 90s, she did an MFA in Southampton. By all accounts, a real force of energy and a really active member of the Cork art scene in the 80s and 90s. She was a contributing editor to Circa Art Magazine. She exhibited here at the Crawford, but also mm. in Tigfilly, as we've mentioned. Yeah. You know, she exhibited with the Irish Exhibition of Living Art. So people remember her really fondly, yeah. how she was maybe a little bit of a ringleader for them all. <laughs> Brilliant. So that's a great, a great tribute, I think. You actually quote a review that she was given in the Irish Times in 2002. Yeah, so, so Joe Allen died from cancer in 2002, so very fondly remembered this year, you know, 20 years later. But if we go back to 2002 and to the Irish Times, Mark Ewart said, 
Joe Allen captured the character of her subjects, conveying their passion, hope, and lust for life. And then he continued, through this, she went beyond the academic conventions of figure painting, seeking out her unique and far from obvious interpretations. As such, these bodies are imbued with the human elements of emotion and desire, and it is through these that the spirit of Joe Allen lives on. I couldn't think of a more beautiful tribute to someone who clearly meant a lot to, to many. Well, I suppose this is the Crawfords' tribute to her as well, by including her in a new exhibition called Drawing Room. Now, I'm intrigued about Drawing Room. What have you decided to do there? Because I know you were busy a couple of weeks ago getting a couple of exhibitions off the ground. I presume that was one of them. <laughs> it, it, it was, thankfully. There's no no more to, to be dealing with this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll be glad to know. So, yeah, Drawing Room opened on the 9th of September and it runs until the 4th of December. The idea behind it was to reactivate two rooms on the top floor of the building that used to be the classrooms for drawing back when we were a school of art. And we have a wonderful collection of drawings from across history. So this exhibition was, I suppose, creating a space to look at drawing, to think about drawing, and maybe even to draw for yourself. Okay. That's the, the idea behind it, but I suppose it does what it says on the tin. It is a room full of drawings, and it goes from works like this one by Joe Allen from 1991, all the way back to James Barry in the 1780s. Wow. So it spans time, the changes in artistic style and practices, okay. and there's some beauties in there. My God, that sounds fascinating altogether. It really is like opening a, a window into the world of the artist's workspace, isn't it? It really is. So I suppose the exhibition thinks about the spaces that we have for drawing, whether they're kind of academic and school-based, or whether maybe they are a sketchbook as a mm. kind of a space for thought. And then from that academic background, it kind of goes into how artists, ranging from Angela Feuer, Kathy Prendergast, Susie O'Malan, Megan Eustace, all the way to... Daniel MacLeese, John O'Leary, Edith Somerville, and so on. So wow. it's, a, it's a really lovely cross-section of drawing. Nice quiet space as well in the middle of the city, so you can sit and be with, be with these works. Well, all I can say is, well done, Michael, for putting that together, and congratulations to the gallery for making the space available. And members of the public can come and visit any time they like. They can indeed, so we are open daily as as normal and it's free to enter, definitely worth popping in. We also have free guided tours at 6.30pm on Thursdays and 2pm on Sundays. There's no booking for that, so Drawing Room will be featured on some of those tours. Well, I'll be certainly dropping by next week if I can get in and looking forward to meeting up with you in person. But again, thank you for this week's Work of the Week. It has turned out to be quite a window into the world of the process of the artist and their drawing techniques. So congratulations and thanks a million. Thanks a million, Connor. 
I love that. Now, Connor isn't in studio right at the minute. He's gone making me a cup of coffee. Fair play to him. But I was laughing because, you know, himself and Michael had this plan to um, meet at different locations that pertained to the paintings they'd be talking about over the last number of weeks or do something in relation to the paintings they've been talking about. Um, so when I saw that this week's one was a nude, I'm, I'm glad they actually had to do that over the phone. <laughs> But uh, I really love those uh, gatherings that they have together. Now, a gathering that happened last night would have been just sensational. Live at St. Luke's as part of the Cork Folk Festival. Claire Sands on stage and with a brand new, brilliant album, which I actually just got from her in the post um, two days ago as well. The new album is called Ceylon. Oh my goodness me. What an incredible collection. Now, over the course of the last couple of years, I have been talking to Claire, of course, with her development of uh, work in both English and Irish. And I know I've played loads of her songs on the show here and all our listeners know and love her very, very well. I'm going to play you a tiny piece. This is just over a minute long. It's on the album. And it also features one of the guests she had uh, in that concert as well last night, uh, Manchon McGann, who's Irish. Oh, on Gaeilge just Toshiger Hauling. His Irish is just so beautiful. And I love all the programmes and shows he's done himself on the incredible richness there is in the Irish language and discovering the meanings behind words and everything. Um, but this one is a beautiful one. It's called Lasser, Lasta, Fos. And this features Manchon and Claire Sands. Eistigi. Move me soft and slow. Be long, the sucker rage. Dance with me, take me home. Lame long, lana walyame. To lose language is to lose faith. Tear gone tanga, tear gone mama. to the birds and all that sort of stuff singing there towards the end of that. I won't give you any more of that. I actually will play a little uh, track from Clare. Niestainli, Erin Clare, Inyov. Well, Vise Gahaling, Kint, Mary McSweeney, Nies Lewis Clare, Ermajin Freshen, Fein Post Nuas, and Onut Kultur, Malivorna, Agus and Kyokurim Untach, Veg Aun, Erin Ina Shokoing, Sokanari, Gugial, Logalair, Leshen Opera, Agus and Nacht, Ertiji Kahar, Ta Kurkai, Gugus Kunde, Kurkai, Achilura, Eg Brandan, Nukas Kormak Begli, Nuradin Shiader Frus, O Reiltocht Fus Kri, Gabel Aha and Dahab in a Van Campala, Obav Jalum Camp Van Campala. Well, Lusan, Bullen Shieldsle, Martina Ninail, Avinin Doiv, Gabel Kangel, Eg Winter Iveglach, Le Kirkig, Mariaul Ercha, Kyontoile, Tain Drefur Vrandon, Kathleen, Agus Magagan, and Enochtlo, Kassen Shieldsle, Harunato, Faras and Chapin, Yenon, Fidlachagus, 
bullshit like Colin Murphy agus le Aidan Coffey chun couple part a henim lo agus an shin ten sheet ga bali khatin shin bali cotton an shin um oit mulin sheet lesh na fidleri marini rain agus lucini fartlin chunik me on trailer irin tachtin agus lads we should just go home tox or tasha shin or teach you how to knock a and they, agus cúpla la o hen, has bain nocht on BBC on pictur nua den Reed Charles, um, a vegar an arigad agus na stampi isasana galua, ach ta klar er tigi cahar er in gaedin, a in shoig an skeil, fwy vert ban, a rev raunha chun a pictur a ve, Er Arigad, Mary Cunningham as Tier Connell, Erev Er Baun Oir America, Agus Hazel Martin, a Rugogi Chicago, Achawil Ahna Orangalair Erhi, Mer Aig Chatlini Ulachain, Achur Farkela Jam Lavery, Erdanoti in Aaron, so Gosh Gale. An Samuel Fad, Fuinamanashin, Agasashkilta Naskaha, Saklar, Eile, Er Arigad, Sushashin, Erish, Er Lahurthrashinay, Er Tijikar, Er Angeadin. Now, Phoenix Films has been commissioned by Tijikar to produce a two part documentary series on Cork by night and phoenixfilmsireland.com is their website they're seeking contributors who speak Irish and <laughs> who are active by night in one way or another okay so this is basically through work through volunteering uh, through hobbies or socialising or the other now the activities themselves don't have to be Oscarga, do you know what I mean? But if you do something that happens uh, generally at night time, if you're one of those people who kind of burns the candle at both ends, then they want to hear from you if you have the Coupe de Focke So the arc of time will probably go from dusk to dawn, so right through the night. So evening activities could feature as well as nighttime. And if you are interested, if you have a couple of Focke if you'd like to take part in something like that for Phoenix Films Ireland uh, on Cork by night, then get in touch with them by going onto their website phoenixfilmsireland.com and uh, that should be really, really um Really so interesting and great crack. Lads, go for it. Life is short. Just go for it.